טוב, חג שמח, חג שבועות שמח, and we only have about an hour and a half left for the day of Pentecost, but the Lord wants us to have a daily life in the Spirit, and I'm going to be talking about that, so just because the day will end in a few hours, the Holy Spirit is not going to leave us, amen? Well, welcome to those who are watching online. We're so glad you're here. Let me pray and ask the Lord for help to proclaim this word. Father, thank you that your word is true, that we can have confidence that if we know your will and do it, we will please your heart and we will be rewarded with a wonderful eternal life with you by your grace and mercy as we put our trust in you. Lord, help me to proclaim your word clearly. We pray for ears to hear what the Spirit would say to us this evening, and may we all leave more like you. In Yeshua's name, amen. Well, I'm speaking on the subject, the Feast of Weeks and Fulfilling the Will of God. The Feast of Weeks and Fulfilling the Will of God. As you know, a major theme in Shavuot, the Feast of Weeks, is the law of God. We're told in the scriptures that the children of Israel were to count 50 days, seven weeks plus one day, counting the Omer, talking about harvest. Pentecost would be that first fruits festival, declaring that God has supplied our needs. And we give you honor, Lord. We give you these first fruits. We offer up these two loaves of bread, saying every good and perfect gift comes from you. You're our supplier. Is he your supplier? <laughs> the fact that you're in this room breathing tonight and he's supplied your need. There's a tradition in Judaism that 50 days from Passover, the exodus from Egypt, the instruction or the law of God was revealed to the nation of Israel. It was at Mount Sinai. We usually refer to this as the law of God, but really, when you look at the word Torah or law, it is actually from a root which is yara, which means to shoot, <laughs> to shoot an arrow. And God has called us to be like an arrow that hits God's mark. The Hebrew word chata is often translated as sin, and it means to miss the mark. And one of the main words in the New Testament for sin is the word hamartia, and it means to miss the mark. A true follower of the Lord is not aimless, but laser-focused on hitting the mark, the target, the bullseye of what God wants each and every one of us to accomplish. Some of you need to hear this message, message tonight because you're at a crossroads. Which way do I go, Lord? I'm a little confused. To the right, to the left, to the west, to the east. Should I stay right here? Should I go back to school? Should I keep on serving where I am now? Should I marry this man or this woman? Or should I wait for another? How important is it to know the will of God? To know what his target is for our each for each of our individual lives. Well, this is what it says in the word of God, Matthew chapter 12, verse 50. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Yeshua, in his own life on earth, showed us how crucial it was for him to do the Father's will, to hit God's target. He says in John 4, 34, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. 
Did you hear that? My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Knowing and doing the will of God ought to be as important to you and I as eating. So that would be pretty important. It's a matter of life and death. 1 John 2.17 says, The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. And we should never forget Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Would you agree that it's crucial to know and to do the will of God? One of the great Puritan preachers once said, opposition to the divine will is the very essence of sin. Somebody else said, inside the will of God, there is no failure. Outside the will of God, there is no success. And one preacher said this. He compares the difference between a river and a swamp. He says, the major difference between a river and a swamp is that the river is going one place while the swamp tries to go everywhere. The river has a goal, an objective. It is determined to reach the sea. The swamp, however, rebels against the discipline of riverbanks and remains a constant underachiever, producing only undesirable things like snakes and mosquitoes with maybe a few alligators. Although swamps are notorious for bragging about all the territory they cover, they never will experience that glorious satisfaction of achieving one thing, reaching the sea. (laughs) I like that. The scriptures reveal God's general will. The will of God for each and every one of us. And it doesn't matter what we do unless it is accordance to the scriptures then we are out of the will of God. Now on that day, the day of Pentecost, the people of God received God's will. And we read in the five books of Moses, the Torah, about specific guidelines of how to live. But you and I know that even if we were to be perfect in following all these directions, we know that there are specific things in our lives that the Torah and all of the scriptures, original Testament and New Testament, do not cover all of the specifics of our lives, our particular circumstances and situations. There's nothing in the Bible to tell you to go to that college or that university or focus on that study That particular study doesn't tell you which job you should apply for or what city to live in. The scriptures give you God's general will, common will for all of us, but not necessarily his specific will in 2022. So what do we need to do about that? Well, let me tell you this. Based on the Feast of Shavuot, based on Pentecost, we know that there is another key to knowing and doing the will of God, and that is an experience with the Holy Spirit. What happened on the day of Pentecost 2,000 years ago? The Holy Spirit was poured out on that feast. We read about it in Acts 2. You probably know it well, but we know it was the day of Pentecost. It had fully come, and they were all with one accord in one place. We see how the wind blew into that house, and of course we know that the wind and spirit are generally one word, ruach in the Hebrew at least, and... uh, And we see that in verse 4 of the text that they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. says they were all filled with the Spirit. Now I could go in many directions here, and we know that one of the main purposes for the Holy Spirit to come upon those first disciples was for evangelism and discipleship and reaching all the peoples of the earth with the good news of the kingdom. 
And I've preached on that many times, but I'm going to focus in more narrowly this evening concerning the leading of the Holy Spirit in every aspect of our lives. Going back just to a, for a moment to Sinai, Mount Sinai, let me remind you that God not only revealed his Torah, his will, but he also gave his spirit at that time to guide them on their journey to his promised land. Nehemiah, the prophet, looks back at that day and he says in chapter 9, verse 18 and following, when, even when they made a molten calf for themselves, you remember they were impatient, Moses is up in the mountain, maybe he'll never come back, and they want to worship, and so they, they melt down all their gold and, and they form this calf and they begin to worship it. And so Nehemiah says, and they said, this is our God. The God that brought you up out of Egypt and worked great provocations, yet in your manifold mercies, he did not forsake them in the wilderness. The pillar of the cloud did not depart from them by day to lead them on the road, nor the pillar of fire by night to show them light and the way that they should go. You also gave your good spirit to instruct them. Aren't you thankful for the grace and mercy of God? I mean, can you imagine, wouldn't God want to give up on a people like that? Just because Moses seemed to be delayed on the mountain, they go and worship another god. And yet by his grace and mercy, he gives them another chance. And we see throughout the scriptures, two chances, three chances, four chances, five chances. And chances are he's done the same for you over and over again. Now, a key passage that will help us to become spirit-led and to do God's specific will in our lives is the book of Ephesians. I won't read the whole book this evening, but I do want to highlight some interesting things here. As I read some of these texts, I want you to note the number of times we see phrases like the will of the Lord, his will, the will of God, and then related phrases, uh, the word purpose. And, and then I want you to see how many times the Holy Spirit is mentioned in relation to the will or purpose of God for our lives. Look back at Ephesians chapter 1. It says, verse 7, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, which he made abound to us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. And then in verse 11 of the same chapter, in him we also have obtained an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Jumping ahead to Ephesians 5 verse 8, and you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord and having no fellowship with the unfruitful dark works of darkness, but rather expose them. Then verse 13, but all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, for whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Then verse 15, and then... See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Verse 17, now, therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. And then we see here in verse 
chapter 6, verse 6, speaking of bondservants, don't work with eye service as men pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. And then Ephesians 6, speaking of spiritual warfare, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might put on the whole armor of God. And at the end, speaking of this list of arm, um, clothing that arm us against Satan and his cohorts, it says this, above all, this is verse 16, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you are able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, in the spirit. Before Yeshua ascended to heaven, he gave this promise in John chapter 4, verse 14, verses 24 and following. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. And then it says in verse 25, these things I have spoken to you while being present with you, but the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. And then John 16, 13, but when he, the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you. I hope you are not aimless. I hope you are being guided by the Holy Spirit. Did you know that Yeshua was led by the Spirit for a specific situation? Following his baptism, it says in Luke 4, verse 1, Yeshua, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the desert. Now, we know he was led into a place of testing with the devil. So don't think you're necessarily out of the will of God if the Holy Spirit leads you into trouble. Put this in your promise box. In this world, you will have trouble. <laughs> but God uses trouble. He redeems dark and difficult situations for his glory and for your good. For God works all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose, according to his will. Did you know that we see this in Acts chapter 16 among the disciples, the apostles? We read in Acts 16 verse 7, when they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. I love that thing, the spirit of Jesus. We often refer to the spirit as the Holy Spirit, the spirit of God, but in the text it says the spirit of Jesus. And isn't it a wonderful thing? Christ in you, the hope of glory. The Holy Spirit comes and dwells within the follower of Jesus. He's in us to guide us. Now, last week I was interviewing Professor Craig Keener. He wrote four volumes in the book of Acts, 4,300 pages of commentary. And I said to him, and I asked him, is Luke in writing Acts just giving us a biography of the apostles or a historical record? Or is, it, is Luke trying to give us a normative lifestyle? In other words, the way the apostles operated in the, the, those first uh, decades, is that supposed to be normative for us? And he said, yes, I'm convinced that that's true. Well, what was normative about the people the disciples of Yeshua in the book of Acts is that they were led by the Spirit. They were led by the Spirit. 
You know that we even have an advantage over those first disciples who were walking with Yeshua for three and a half years? I mean, they didn't have to think much about the will of God. They just follow Jesus wherever he goes. And you, you say, oh man, if I could only have been one of those disciples. But Yeshua says this remarkable thing in John chapter 16, verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Who is him? It's the Holy Spirit to help us. And he helps us in every area of our lives, including knowing God's direction for our lives. Thank you, Tyro. That is cold water. You will get your reward in heaven. Okay. Listen, I've had this experience in my life. I was uh, 19 years of age. I was trying to find myself. Have you ever tried to find yourself? I was a bit of a hippie. I hitchhiked all over Europe and North Africa. And I remember seeing this church in Tormelino, Spain, on the Costa del Sol. I was in Morocco, and I remember, and it was just about Christmas time, and I wanted to be somewhere at Christmas, and I went back to that church in Tormelinos, and I sat in the back row, and the Spirit of God spoke to me, not audibly, but so clearly that I should soon get off the road, go back, and begin to study and prepare myself to be a pastor. Well, I thank God that I think it's 45 years now. No, it's more than that. Well, after I started full-time ministry as a pastor, I think it's about 45 years. I've not turned back. The Holy Spirit led me. Just think if I hadn't listened to the Spirit where I might have gone. What a fulfillment and satisfaction it's been to be a shepherd. What a privilege it is. I've come to places of discouragement over the years living in Israel. This summer will be our 39th year here. We helped to plant this congregation in 1983. And there were points along the way where we got pretty discouraged and wondered if our time was up and we weren't seeing growth and we were disappointed in many ways. And I got desperate with God. I went to Galilee all by myself. And two days later, there would be our whole team coming and, they, and I was to cast vision for the future and I had no vision. If you have no vision, people will perish. <laughs> That's not good leadership. I got desperate with God. I just said, Lord, I need a new, fresh download of your Holy Spirit. And I'll tell you, he answered that prayer so fast. And I opened up my laptop and I just began to do a study of the Holy Spirit from Genesis to Revelation. Wherever the Spirit was mentioned, I looked at it and I saw how desperately every believer needs to have an experience with the Holy Spirit and be led by the Spirit moment by moment. And I believe I got a download of the gift of faith at that moment. Maybe it was dormant and it came alive, or maybe it was a brand new gift, I don't know. But I can tell you this, I began to believe for the impossible. I remember not having the faith to believe we could have our own worship center. We rented the YMCA for the first 21 years of our ministry here. And that was fine, and I had faith for that. And I had faith that maybe we could raise money and buy an office somewhere in Jerusalem. But when I came back from Galilee, with that experience of the Holy Spirit and being led by the Spirit, I knew the Lord was saying, go, find a place, buy it, build it, whatever you have to do to build a worship center. And the miracle happened. We found this place. It had been sitting empty for 11 years collecting dust. But God gave us the faith to believe that we could turn this shrine to Hollywood, it was a movie theater, into a pavilion of praise. 
God did a mighty work. And then the Lord led us to buy the top floor of this office building in the same complex here. Now it's called the 21st floor. It was 14. They changed the numbering on the elevator. What a miracle. God is a miracle working God. We're now on the 21st floor. So, <laughs> but we just believe that we, if we pray and we pray in the spirit and that, that God's going to continue to lead us and guide us. Hallelujah. And I could tell you lots of stories of miracles along the way. I know it's because of the work of the Holy Spirit, knowing the mind of the Spirit, and exact asking God to lead us step by step. A key to accomplishing the will of God is to be daily filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what happened on the day of Pentecost. When we invite Yeshua to be our Savior, then the Spirit comes into our lives. Every believer has the Holy Spirit. But I believe I can prove from the scriptures that there is another aspect of the Holy Spirit that we should experience subsequently to the infilling, or I should say, the entry of the Holy Spirit into our lives. Yeshua promised his disciples before he ascended in Acts chapter 1, verse 5 and 6, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, the thing is, the disciples had already had the Holy Spirit before the Holy Spirit was outpoured on Pentecost. Do you realize that? John chapter 20, verse 22, before he ascended in, ascends into heaven, he says, it says that Yeshua breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. They had received the Holy Spirit. They had been born again. They'd been saved. They're follow, true followers of Yeshua, but they had not yet received the infilling of the Holy Spirit. That was a subsequent experience. And so on the day of Pentecost, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. We could use those words interchangeably, baptized with the Holy Spirit, because that was a promise that Yeshua would baptize us in his spirit. And then it says they were filled with the Spirit. So basically the same thing. And we know the word baptism is like an immersion, an overwhelming, a submerging. And Yeshua could even speak of his going to the cross as being a baptize, a baptism. A baptism of overwhelming suffering and death. And we see a direct connection between knowing God's will and being filled with the Holy Spirit. We look at this in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17 and 18. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of God is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled here is in the present tense in the Greek and indicates an ongoing condition. It can be translated legitimately Keep on being filled with the Spirit. How many of you know that you are a leaky bucket? You need to be constantly under the faucet, the fountain of the Holy Spirit, because you're a leaky bucket. And so am I. It's a daily infilling of the Holy Spirit. How do you keep on being filled with the Spirit? Well, you keep praying something like this. Lord, less of me, more of you. <laughs> Empty me so I can be filled with you. That's one way. We become more Spirit-led the more we daily ask for the Spirit and His power. Luke chapter 11, verse 13. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Ask Him. I'm not going to say anything sophisticated now. As I close this message, I'm just going to say, ask for the Holy Spirit. Ask 
Not just for the Holy Spirit, if you're saved, ask for the filling of the Holy Spirit in your life till you overflow with his spirit. And you will experience power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That's what Yeshua said. Back in Ephesians, we saw how that there were several appearances of the word will, and the Greek word used most often for the will of God is the word telema. Now, when we look at that word telema in the Greek version of the Old Testament, in the Septuagint, telema is often used to translate two Hebrew words, ratzon and chafatz. And here we see these Hebrew words in Psalm 40, verse 8. I delight to do your will, O God. Delight and the will of God and your laws within my heart. We know that's the promise in the new covenant, that the law of God will be written on our hearts. In other words, we will know what to do. We will know the instruction, the will of God, because in our hearts, we have the Holy Spirit directing. Now, the Holy Spirit will never tell us to do anything that's not written in his instruction in the scriptures, but for specific circumstances. The law which is written on our hearts, the will of God written on our hearts by the Spirit will guide us. Hallelujah. In fact, it will do more than guide us. Ezekiel chapter 36 said, says in the latter days, and I believe we're in those days, that he will pour out his Spirit. In what way? It says there that he will take out our heart of stone and replace it with a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and move you to follow my laws or my instructions. So it's not only knowing the will of God, but we get the, the move of God, the, the, the impetus, the power to fulfill the word of God. So the Holy Spirit gives us power to change our desires, that we, our will will be aligned with God's will, and we will delight in doing his will. It's when we are filled with the Spirit that our will, our mind, and our desires change. Romans 8, 5 says, those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what the nat nature desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Romans 12, 2 says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Let me tell you, you cannot transform your mind yourself. It's a work of the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 3.18, but we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of God are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord. The mind, the noose in the Greek is not just the intellect but our whole inner direction or will. And let me tell you, changing your mind, having your mind transformed is not as easy as changing your hair color. Changing your mind so that it conforms to the will of God takes a radical spiritual transformation. So no matter how hard you try, as a fallen, sinful, fleshly human being, you can't get the mind to fall in love, fall in line with God's will. And as I said a moment ago, it takes a radical transformation. Do you desire to do the will of God? 
Is it crucial in your life? Is it a, a daily asking of the Holy Spirit to fill you and then give you direction for that day and for that week and for that year? It's been something I've done for many decades now. It's, it's almost daily. It's rarely that I forget to ask the Lord for direction. I just believe it's the way to live. It's the normative way to live. If desiring to do God's will is not your normal default, then the only way to change that is to become a child of God. Now, that's a pretty radical statement, but listen to what it says in Romans 8, verse 14 to 17. For as many who, as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. If you don't ask the Lord for his leading on a regular basis, if that's not your default, then you have to ask the question, am I a child of God? I'm just, blame Paul for that, not me. It says here that if you've received the spirit of adoption by whom you cry out, Abba, Father, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If we really have the Holy Spirit, we are really born again, we're really adopted son or daughter of God, then the spirit will witness within us that we are sons and daughters of God. There's a confidence that we're walking in his ways, that we're following him. Galatians 4, 6 says, and because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. The Holy Spirit gives you a sense of, I'm a son, I'm a daughter of the Father. How confident are you that you are a child of God? If you're beginning to doubt that, then maybe you're not. But there is one way to guarantee that you are a child of God. John 1.12 says, But as many as received him to them, he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. The word believe, I, I wish that many translators would actually say those who trust in his name. And entrust your life into his hands. I believe that's what it's meant in the text. And then it says in Galatians 3.26, for you are all sons of God through faith or trust in Christ Jesus. But is that all there is? Peter says this in his sermon on the day of Pentecost. He said to that crowd, he said, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus the Messiah for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Repent. Yes, you entrust your life into the hands of God, into the hands of Jesus. And you repent. You change from your old ways and you follow the ways of Yeshua. You don't think according to the world's way of thinking, but now you think according to the will of God's Spirit. This is what it means to be a son or daughter of God. We are new creations in the Messiah, Yeshua. All those old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So we need to repent. At that first Pentecost at the foot of Mount Sinai, those who had worshipped that calf, there was great judgment upon them, and the, the Levites were commanded by Moses to slay them. How many were slain on that day? 3, 
thousand. Centuries, even millennia later, on that same day of Pentecost, as Peter was preaching that message of the need to repent and believe, 3,000 were saved. Marvelously transformed by the Holy Spirit. And they did exploits. They did great and wonderful things. Not because they were so smart or talented, but because the Holy Spirit was poured out upon them. And the Spirit came in and began to lead them step by step. And you see it throughout the whole book of Acts. What began at Jerusalem went to Judea, then Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. Do you have faith for yourself to be part of that great mission to make disciples of all nations? I'm not confident that I can do that in myself, but I'm confident that if I daily ask the Lord to keep on filling me with his spirit, I will increasingly know and do the specific will of God for my life. Did you know that from beforehand, from the foundation of the world, God already ordained for you those good works that you should do? Do you know what they are? Ask the Holy Spirit. Would you stand with me? I want all of us to just put our hands out like this, like a cup, two cups. <laughs> If you want to put your feet up too, get three cups, four cups, go all in and say, Holy Spirit, fill me. Holy Spirit, lead me. Holy Spirit, empower me to do your will in Yeshua's name. And would you pray that daily? Keep on being filled with the Spirit. God bless you.